As humans, we learn by listening to and observing others. How do winning teams get better? They study the game film. How do people get better? We become conscious about our actions and we learn that words have an impact. So study your game film and be aware that you are influenced by the words and actions of others and that you have the power to use your words and actions to influence and create change that the world needs right now. Welcome to Life is a Game of Inches. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life is a Game of Inches. Dorian Jackson and Lindsay Tuiofu are your hosts, and we are excited to be back with you again. Lindsay, my friend, we both had a chance to celebrate uh, a couple birthdays the last couple of weeks. How's it going? Yes. Oh, amazing. Oh, my gosh. I had the best birthday ever. I went to the spa, like full spa day, and then my neighbors threw me a massive birthday party, like dance party, dinner party. It was amazing. How's your birthday? Well, I surely did not go to a dance party. That's for sure. Like maybe, I don't know, you know, I mean, I hung out, had a great, great time, but uh, I, I didn't do the things that uh, that you did. So it sounds like you had uh, fun. I mean, you know, listen, I'm 54 now. I think you were what, 31? 31. Yeah. See, we, we once you get to pass your 50s, I don't know if, unless you hit a, <laughs> a specific age, you don't really do things like that again. So maybe, maybe for my 55th birthday, uh, I might have to do some like something like you did. Maybe I'll throw you a luau. Ooh, now we're talking because the luau <laughs> includes a roasted pig, right? Yes. Well, I tell you what, it is it is good to be back on with you, Lens. Uh, I know you're doing a lot of fun, exciting things, but uh, I know you you want to get into this podcast, don't you? I do. There was a lot of stuff um, that just needed to be recapped from our last episode. We had a lot of people reach out, um, so I just wanted to make sure that our new listeners hopping hopping on get a taste of what we were talking about last episode. So if you just want to jump right in. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll absolutely do that. Let me give uh, everyone an idea of this uh, this this podcast here. We are we're going to be talking about learning and observing, uh, really the behaviors that come from watching and listening to what people do. As an example, what parents, uh, the role that parents play in developing the critical behaviors of our children. So think about that for a second. What role parents play in developing the critical elements of children's behavior? How does our environment set the tone for good? and or bad behavior. Observational learning describes a process of learning through watching others, retaining the information, and then later replicating the behaviors that are observed. And a tremendous amount of learning happens through this process of watching and imitating others. So I'm going to pose four questions at the beginning, a little bit different than we've done in the last couple of podcasts. And then as Lindsay mentioned, we're going to go into sort of a recap of the last podcast. So for those that happen to miss it or haven't haven't listened to it in a long time, you'll get updated. Um, so here's the first question. Knowing this, how much of your behavior is reflective of your environment? So that's the first question. Knowing this, how much of your behavior is reflective of your environment? And the next one is, if you were more conscious of it, would that change it? So if you thought about it a little bit more, would that change the way in which you went about things? How is your behavior influencing those around you, which we're going to talk a lot about today? And are you positively or negatively reacting to your environment. So again, we, we, we will talk, we will always talk about being better, but those are the four questions that we'll start off with and we'll come back and follow up with some questions at the end. If you do remember, uh, the last episode was about social injustice and education reform. And, and those are some pretty powerful things we discussed, Lindsay and I, and we're going to run through just again, a recap 
based on some information we receive. We like feedback. Um, a couple of folks that I spoke to, one in particular was my brother, um, who is Dr. Lamont Jackson, and he's in education. And here's a few things that uh, he and I spoke about, and Lindsay's going to cover a few as well. So social injustice and education reform is real, um, and it's, it's something that needs to be addressed. And as my brother stated, there are some things that are being addressed in the school systems today. Uh, unapologetically stating that there is an issue with Black lives. Clearly, there are some um, some things that are that we've seen in the last several months and several years, and for many people for the last couple hundred years, that don't show that there is a lot of equality uh, based on the color of your skin. Our school systems uh, are, I'm not going to say they're racist, but there are tones of racism that still exist in the school systems, and we need to acknowledge and recognize that they actually exist, like anything else. If you don't recognize what's going on, recognize something as a problem or a challenge or a struggle, then there's there's no way to get it fixed. And then uh, and then there are current policies. My brother said it. There are current reviews taking place with regards to policies, student referrals, student suspensions, anything that's driving uh, someone towards a negative uh, outcome. There, those things are absolutely being looked at. And one more, and I'll turn it over to Lindsay. Is you know student grading policies. You know they are archaic. And, and several of those grading policies are biased. So the school systems are looking at ways in which we can improve um, all the structure of the education system. Because, listen, what goes in comes out. So if you're putting the things that are in place that, uh, that are, are not changing the system, then what you're getting out of it is the same thing that's been happening for a couple hundred years. Lindsay, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah. So what I've got as well, uh, disciplined policies. Um, I love this because they're taking a look at... Uh, what was previously done and, and adjusting accordingly as time evolves. Uh, curriculum doesn't reflect who we serve. Educational leaders pay attention to reform taking place, uh, building a system that doesn't have racist tendencies. I'm sure down in San Diego, you know, curriculum doesn't reflect who we serve. Educational leaders pay attention to reform taking place. Build a system that doesn't have racist tendencies. Recruiting and retaining to the systems that you teach in. Let me let me touch on that for a second. One, one of the things, Lindsay, my, my, my brother mentioned, recruiting and retaining the systems that you teach in. So is the environment that you're teaching in, are we going out and grabbing the, the people that are reflective of that environment and are we retaining those type of people in those systems that they can teach in? so again if you're going back to the inner cities how many kids from the inner cities are being pushed to to go into education and then and then the ones that are pushed to go into education are they coming back to the inner cities uh to 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 be able to teach those that look like them that sound like them that come from the same environment i quick 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 story my sister-in-law is from the imperial county she is a superintendent in the um, in the Calipatria School District, and I mean, when she left home and went to University of Stanford, I mean, a lot of people said there's no way she's coming back. But but her thought was, if I'm able to get out of this environment where uh, a lot, big farm community, ninety percent, maybe eighty percent is is Mexican in in the area that she grew up in, and she thought, geez, I want to come back and make a difference in that community. But but how many people like her are able to go back? But that's what that system actually requires you to do. So I just want to throw that in there real quick. I love that. Um, as you were jamming with your brother, I know that there was things that educators needed to think about. And I know that you and brother, you and your brother had done a deep dive. Um, so would you mind just sharing with our listeners some of the things, elaborate a little bit more on the things that you and your brother were jamming on? 
Yeah, so some of the things he mentioned was, as an example, we spent a, the educators spent a lot of time in books, understanding how to direct the education system versus looking at the reality of situations. So one is, what's the reality of the situation that we should be looking at? The environment that these kids are coming from is ever-changing. We've got social media that's having a heavy impact on, on kids today. And one thing that I started to see, and you see a lot of it now, is cultures that you take from one environment and put in the other, could you not do the same thing? If When I was growing up as a kid, you took black students and Mexican students and put them in a predominantly white school environment, could you do the reverse? Uh, would that help grow the systems uh, internally in those areas that need it? But a big part of it was the communication. And my, my brother said multiple times, he goes, we, Dorian, we have to open up um, and communicate at a level in which everybody starts to work together. Um, I, I think we're going to touch on this word a little bit later, but the, wor the world of collaboration. We can't be stuck in um, the books that we've read. We can't be stuck in the meetings we've had 10 years ago. We've got to be stuck in today. What's society look like today? And how can we make adjustments um, to become better today? So that was a few of the things we talked about. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, so I know um, in our last episode, our topic for our new listeners was on systemic racism, um, specifically in our systems education. Today, we're going to talk about another form of education, the education we get and give through behaviors we observe and the behaviors that we exhibit. You know, Dorian, I was laughing because this week, I know it's taken us a little bit longer to get together for this podcast. I just had so many people reaching out that just happened to be talking about what we were jamming on. And I was in the grocery store and the moment that I was in the store and I heard this person talking, I just thought to myself, what is wrong with this person? Have you ever felt that way? Whether it's like in a public setting, just like that for a brief moment, like what is wrong with you? Liz, people are crazy. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just, let's just put it out there now. People are out of their minds. I mean, how many times have you and I <laughs> been sitting somewhere or walking and just watch some crazy stuff going on and you think to yourself, what's wrong with people? Like, do they recognize that people are watching them and paying attention to what they do? I notice it in the grocery store with parents, with their children, if their children want something and, and they say no, and then they start yelling at their child, I'm like, oh my gosh, like not appropriate to scream at your child in the middle of a store. Because they think they're at home hanging out in the garage or something like that, right? And they're like, no one's paying attention. So I'm going to scream at my kid. I yeah. think what we should do, I think we should do like a, what was that? What was that show that came on late night that did, was it David Letterman did a top 10? I think we should do some kind of top 10 of the things that we've seen where we go, what's wrong with people? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I've got one. I've got one. The person that doesn't hold the door open and lets it swing back into your face. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, especially at the gas station. <laughs> now, okay. So I look at people and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you, you couldn't hold the door long enough for somebody just to walk through and smack. Are you, okay, are you but hold on, hold on. It's like, okay, let's just say they're getting out of their car. Do you stand there and patiently wait for them to like get closer? Or is it like within a certain proximity? <laughs> like what's the etiquette? I, I don't, I think, I, I don't know. I think the, I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. What is the right thing to do? I mean, I think if you walk in a door 
and you and someone's I don't know a couple steps behind you. I mean, I've held it open long enough for someone about three or four seconds. If I see they're <laughs> coming from across the street, I've held it open. Or if, if somebody's a little bit older, or you know, absolutely for a, a woman, you're going to hold the door. I mean, that's just you know, that's just the right thing to do. So I don't I'm, know. I'm going to throw a challenge out there because if somebody is a little bit farther away and you stand with the door open, guaranteed the person will run to the door so you don't have to hold it open. Uh, you know what? That's that's a good one for our listeners to try. Next time you're at a gas station or somewhere and someone's across the street, hold the door and see how long it takes them to get over there if they run. Now, if they start walking, I'm, I'm closing the door. Like, I'm turning around walking away. I'm like, you know what? If you can't pick your feet up fast enough to get there, I'm leaving. <laughs> All right. I got one for you. Number two, what about the sports parent who sits in the stands or stands nearby their kid and yells at the kid for the entire game? Oh, my God. I see this more and more in basketball. <laughs> Hustle. Get to the <laughs> other side. <laughs> I would say I would say basketball for sure. I have seen it in baseball. I've seen parents in baseball almost look like they're going to climb the fence to go over the other side of the fence and and tell their kid exactly what they need to do during the game. I mean, is I and you know I the parent that parent doesn't understand how embarrassing not it is just for the kid, but how embarrassing it is to, to themselves but but since no one's videotaping them yeah videotaping the game they don't even know they don't know how embarrassing it is yeah and they're I, honestly they're probably so consumed with the outcome of whatever their child is doing that they're not even thinking about themselves and how they're coming across this one is huge for me thank you excuse me and you're welcome is not in very many people's vocabulary so i have a colleague Every time I see him or every time I talk to him, there's always an I'm sorry. And I said, why are you sorry? He says, well, because I'm late. I said, okay, so what happens if you showed up and said, thank you for your patience? I'm here now. It totally changed the dynamic of everything. So it was really interesting thinking about, and I know you hear all the time, oh, sorry, in the grocery store, bump into someone, sorry. Are you really sorry? <laughs> Are you really sorry? Because I feel like you keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, I think that is an overused word versus, you know, excuse me. Thank you. You're welcome. Just but but again, Lindsay, like we're talking about, it's not in people's vocabulary because they weren't taught that they were taught. They were taught in the school system to say, what do the teachers say? What do the parents always say? Well, if you do something wrong that hurts somebody's feelings, say, I'm sorry. But then they repeat it over and over again. Well, at some point, well, it's it's an apology, but it didn't mean anything. It's it's a it, it's not right. Like I are had you this, really sorry. Yeah, I had the same discussion with my daughter earlier today. A little boy came up to her and said, "I wish you were never born," and she was sobbing. Oh my gosh, he he said this to me, Mom. I just want him to say I'm sorry. I said, "Is sorry going to take that feeling away?" Because what I know the word, sorry, that feeling is not going to go away when someone says sorry. So we had this long discussion about sorry and about how we can choose our feelings regardless if somebody says I'm sorry or not. So that was super powerful for me. I have one more for you. So, so, but uh, wait a second. Wait, wait, I'm, I, wait, I can't. This kid walked up to your daughter and said, I wish you weren't born? Yes. 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 So she took it like, oh my gosh, this kid basically wants me to die. In her little six-year-old mind, this kid doesn't thinks I should die. It was her interpretation of it. I'm like, okay, this is really, no. there's no parenting book out there for this one. 
I'm like, we're just going to kind of talk this one through. So we did. We, uh, I assisted her in identifying who she is, why she's here, what she contributes to the world. And she felt so much better after. So, so that, no, sorry needed. <laughs> again, that's, that's one of those ones you say and go that, that kid, where that kid picked that up from? Anyway, that, you know, we got to get through our top yeah, 10, yeah, but yeah. That, that's one of those ones you go, okay, that kid picked that up somewhere. We're going to get in that in a little bit, but, but go ahead. Yeah. You, you got another one, Lance. Okay. Standing too close when you're in line. I swear with COVID, social distancing came about specifically so that people can back the f- off. <laughs> six feet, six feet, please. Six feet. You know, I mean, come on, everyone out there, you've been standing in a line somewhere because that's what we do in the United States. Like we stand in lines and you've turned around and literally the person is right in your face and they're looking at you almost as if like, what? Like, 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 what am I doing wrong? I'm like, listen, I can smell your breath, your deodorant. I can smell what you ate four days ago. If I can smell what you ate four days ago, you're too damn close. Get away. It's the same thing in the grocery line. You know, there's like a really long line and the cart is basically touching you. You're like, are you kidding me? Like, we're not going anywhere. Obviously, there's someone in front of me. Back up. I wonder how many people in Costco get run over every single day, you know, especially before social distancing. I mean, now it's probably not as prevalent, but back in the day, how many people you think I ran over in Costco? Because people, oh, for sure. You know, it's so sad that they actually have to put round stickers that says stand here six feet apart so that people know how far to stand apart. <laughs> See, and now you now you guys are now you're thinking, man, Lindsay and Dorian are spot on. These people are crazy. All right, watch this one. I got one for you. This is gonna everybody's gonna go, Oh yeah, oh yeah, we've seen those people. Cell phone etiquette number five. Speaker phone, cell phone conversations in public. I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs> See, like like, are you, okay, like, are you, like, what's wrong? Lindsay, why do you do okay. that? People don't want to hear your conversation. I know. Okay, I'm going to say they do want to hear my conversations because some of my conversations are great. The reason I do it is because I'm mid-grocery shopping, right? My hands are full, pushing the cart, dealing with a kid. Somebody calls me. I don't have my headset. I can't hold the phone with like my shoulder awkwardly and walk and like yell at my kid and pick out food. It's just too much. And so if I throw it on speakerphone, I can do two, I can multitask. Hey, Lindsay, there's, there's a, there's a company out there that makes a lot of money selling headphones. I know, but if I'm in a hurry or the worst is like mid conversation and then your headset dies. By the way, they they have wireless headsets. They have they have old school, old school Apple headset that plugs in, never dies, doesn't require battery. <laughs> People, listen. but then it's the cord, and you got to find women don't have pockets. They don't have pockets. There's like and you, you know got to stuff it in your and bra. Guys, and guys don't have purses either, but we seem to manage. I mean, I, listen, <laughs> you you're super awesome. And I know your conversations are interesting, but there are some people out there with conversations that no one wants to hear. Like, so speaker, listen, don't, what about the, the FaceTime? Like, I don't want to see your friend. I don't want to see your friends in the pajamas. I don't want to see any, I don't want to hear your conversation. <laughs> Shut your speakerphone off and get a headset or go talk in private. And then the last one I got, I got A and B in number five is texting in movie theaters. I'm telling you, I don't care how many times I've sat in a movie theater and it says, please, you know, respect your people sitting next to you. Turn your phone off. How many clowns will sit there with their freaking light on texting as if the world's going to end if they don't respond right away? Even if they dim the light, they'll try and dim the light 
so it's not as bright. What is so, that night mode? Yeah, night mode. So, so just you got you got the adult who's twenty five or thirty years old or forty five years old, and their kids sitting next to them, and they got their freaking phone on, and they're looking over them like, wait a second, the the movie theater just said turn your phone off, and you can't do that. It's crazy. <laughs> okay, underage drinking. I'm guilty of this. Well, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say this. So, you know, being exposed in Utah, Utah's a whole nother state. It's really interesting. Um, I feel like I went through my what people call like party phase or whatever when I was younger. And so I feel more responsible, more clear on life, what I want. And I'm coming across a lot of people in this like midlife crisis because they never experienced stuff. I'm not endorsing underage drinking. I'm not saying it's appropriate. It's against the law. Don't do it. But I also feel like there deserves to be a conversation with with families about underage drinking. My here's my, here's my take. Neither one of my parents or grandparents, anyone that raised me, gave me alcohol as an as a minor. No one ever did. I mean, we listen. People go out and they find ways to do whatever they want to do. They party after high school football games, etc. That's 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 all great, right? If you're in college, obviously, eighteen, nineteen, you're you're partying, whatever. But my my struggle with this is parents who allow their kids to drink in their home while they're underage. To, to me, that's that again. And, and I I, I'm not like questioning this. people's parenting. I'm not questioning no. people's parenting. But I'm just saying, I, I just I don't agree with it. And I think it's something that doesn't. I think it's something that will will it, it continues to go on generation after generation after generation because they allow it to happen. The belief is, I would rather my child do it here than somewhere else because I have had friends. So I thought that was really, really, really interesting. Definitely a controversial topic, but I am totally in alignment with you. I agree. No yeah. underage drinking. It's bad for you. Yeah, exactly. Number seven, kids who use profanity towards their parents were flat out disrespectful. That one right there. Have you, how many times, Lindsay, have you, have you watched an underage kid, like, like a, like a 10 year old drop the F bomb to their parent? Okay. I will admit my mother will kill me. <laughs> I, <laughs> mom, I love you. I called my mom some really nasty names. She never hit me, but boy, did I think that her eyes could kill me. <laughs> like I ran for dear life thinking that this woman is going to murder me and she never did, but it was very much like, don't ever talk to me like that again. You see, you know what, when you were saying that, all I could think about is if I ever uttered any sort of disrespect towards my parents or my grandparents or anyone I was an adult when I was a kid. Oh, like you and I would not be doing a podcast. I'd be dead. Like my my <laughs> my dad would have beat me stupid. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, <laughs> girl. Let me tell. I, I, I'm I, my my I'm I'm scared now. Like my, my dad's been my dad passed away like twenty years twenty plus years ago, and I'm scared now. Like I would never even do something like that. Like what? Yeah. I, I don't understand. And, and and then you hear the parent goes. Hey, you know, uh, Susie or, you know, or, you know, whatever the kid's name, the, the names are today. Don't do that. Don't say that. It's not nice. It's not polite. Like what is wrong with people for allowing that level of behavior? I just don't quite understand. All right. You're up next. Public environment misbehaving. Okay. I've got three dinner table at a restaurant. So I've got some, um, in-laws and their children are very well behaved because they routinely go to a restaurant. I didn't grow up going to restaurants. 
I don't take my kid to a restaurant very often. So when I do, it's one of those like jumping on the table, sitting in the corner, peeping over the next booth, looking at other people. Um, Those are just like little things where I'm like, okay, I'm choosing not to go out to a restaurant because I have not taught my kid proper etiquette or what the world says is proper to dine in a restaurant. The other one is disobeying in front of guests. So disobeying in front of guests. This one is is kind of like tender for me because I feel like this is com- in in compliance with control. My child must behave this way and do this when guests are around where I'm more of a free-flowing, creative spirit. I want my kid to, you know, be able to be free but still understand etiquette or I don't know, being kind or whatever. And then the other one is moms who scream at their children in the grocery store. I remember, I will never forget, I was in Smith's. I was looking for some furniture and my daughter wanted bath bombs. She completely melted down because I said no. So typically what I've seen other people in in times for me personally where I have been like, stop crying, like, let's just go. And I get upset and I leave the store. I chose to sit down on this couch. It was a... A, a model couch just sitting there. So I was like, hey, let's just take a seat and let's just talk this out. Crying hysterically, everyone was looking at me like, are you going to take your kid out of the store? And I was like, I'm having a moment with my kid. So continue grocery shopping. Don't mind me. Most uncomfortable thing because so many people, I just felt these eyes piercing me, like take your kid out of the store and shut them up. I'm trying to grocery shop here. I came to escape my own children (laughs) to go to the grocery store. And now you are here with your screaming kid. Not what I want to hear. So I thought that was, that was a really, really, really interesting experience to sit there and take the piercing eyes and choose to love my kid through her mouth. Down. I, I think, you know, I think there are a lot of people who feel that way, right? You go into a restaurant and you see, I've seen kids crawling up underneath the tables and their parents are having a conversation and the kids are doing whatever they want to do. Um, I've seen that. I've just seen, you know, kids running around while someone's having a dinner party and they're you know, I, like, I, like I, I get some of it. On the other side of it, I'm like, wait a second, there is etiquette. And I think that goes along with all the things that we've been talking about so far, which is Hey, teach teach your children some manners. And when you talk about what's being learned and observed, and clearly, now I'm not saying, listen, Liz, I'm not saying you were misbehaved or you were able to lay on the floor in the restaurant, or I'm not saying you even screamed in a grocery store with your mom. But if if somewhere along the line you thought to yourself, hey, it was more important to allow my child to get through this moment versus taking them out and dealing with it in private. But if we talk about like learn and observe behaviors, I wasn't taught proper etiquette at a restaurant. I didn't grow up going to restaurants. Yeah. I, you know what? I didn't grow up going to restaurants either. I think, I mean, our, our special Friday night was was Jack in the Box, a couple tacos and some Friday night. Oh, dude, I'm always down for Jack in the Box. <laughs> and we had, My favorite <laughs> fast food. And we had to pick it up and take it home. But I, I guess it's just if, if it's important enough to you to say, hey, when we go somewhere, I mean, now we were taught manners. So I think when you go to a restaurant, if you have manners, that becomes part of those those manners that you observe. Just sit down, you know, order. Don't run around, act like, you know, you're at home. If you're at home, you can behave however you want to. But I think when you're inside of a, a, a public place, those are discussions that people should have with their kids. Absolutely. And if you're not having them, then obviously it's going to create problems. And and, and maybe 20% of the people in a restaurant in, in this particular instance, they won't care. The other 80% might go, 
something's wrong with you. You're crazy. You're just letting your kid act like a wild animal. Um, but anyway, let's move on to number nine and let's get uh, and continue to move through this uh, this discussion because we can park on any of these all day long. Coughing. Oh, see, and with COVID, this is like now, like with COVID now, if someone did that, man, they they might they might lose their life. Coughing or sneezing without covering their mouths. You know what? That's one thing. And again, with us all wearing masks nowadays, you probably don't see it as much. But here's the one that just bugs me, especially on on airplanes, yawning without covering their mouth. Have you? How many times have you been sitting on an airplane, Lindsay? Because you and I travel, sitting on an airplane, and you look over and somebody's yawning, and they got their whole mouth just wide <laughs> open. I'm like, man, listen, I don't need to know if you have your tonsils or not. Like, it's not important to me. <laughs> what? Like, what's wrong? Take your hand and cover your mouth. We don't well, want to typically, see your inside. Typically, it's a natural reaction. I literally just did it. So if I'm yawning, I, like, automatically cover my mouth. So that's actually one I never paid attention to. <laughs> there are some, watch, okay, you're going to pay attention okay. to it now. But I will have to say, my brother... Brother, I'm sorry. I'm shouting you out on my podcast. He sh- he shared with me. He did a Snapchat one time. He's like, dude, this is so nasty. Watch this. Sneezes without covering his mouth on a window. <laughs> See, your brother got issues. So nasty. And he's like, that's what it looks like when people don't cover their mouth. <laughs> exactly. See, see, he was he was proving a point. Brother, Huiofu. Point proven. And listen, listen, as we as we start to transition into some things we want to talk about, I, I hope I hope that brought back some memories of some crazy <laughs> folks that you've seen and you've uncovered in your time running around um, doing whatever it is that you're doing. But but if you think about what we've walked through, Lindsay, that there are there are these I think these adoptive stages, right? Early age learned behavior adoption is zero to five years old. I talked to a, a really close uh, friend of mine, Patrick Doche. And we talked about at, at what point do things start to change in kids' lives? And he talked about uh, early age, learned behaviors, zero to five years old, parents and adults setting the tone as you get between that six and 12-year-old age. Again, they start to set the tone earlier with, with what they start to observe and mimic early on. And then once you get to that third level, which is 13 years old and up, that peer level influence gets pretty thick around that time. And then, of course, got social media today anywhere in any of those ages, because you talk about your, your daughter at a young age is on her, her iPad. There's, there's a lot of adoption that we're dealing with in these, what I call these four key categories and social media being one of the, the largest ones today. So I'm actually running into a few things. Um, my daughter has committed to start her own YouTube channel. She's six years old and she, that's all she talks about all day. I hear her in the bathtub saying, Hey, subscribe to my channel, comment below, like homegirls practicing. So I see the beautiful things and ways that she can grow a business and learn all these really great things at a really young age. But it's also frightening because there's just so much stuff on social media. But you, I want to touch on something because you, the gist of it was entitlement. And, and this is really something that I, as a young mother, am still developing, practicing. And I see now when I ask my daughter to do something, she'll ask me, oh, well, do I get a prize. If I'm, if I have good behavior, do I get this? And so I'm now seeing how I've shown up previously as a parent. Oh, I was rewarding. And so now she believes that in order to get something, I have to behave, but I didn't want to reinforce it that way. So I kind of have to like backpedal as a parent because I'm like, Oh no, what did I instill in her? That's not what I wanted. 
Yeah, we, we create that environment. I mean, just, just going back to, again, parents and adults setting the tone between 6 and 12. She sees you doing podcasts. She sees you doing online work. She sees everything that goes on in your house with you and, and the work that you do. So she's like, hey, if mama can do it, why can't I do it? And, oh, by the way, mama works and she gets rewarded. So, hey, if I work and I do things, why should I not get rewarded? Absolutely. We've created that society. I know down the road, we've got some other topics we'll talk about, like, you know, the, the, the world of what we call trophy kids, right? Everybody wins and everybody gets a trophy. And that's not really <laughs> I mean, that's, that's going to be funny stuff, too. But, but in this particular instance, you're right. The entitlement that we're creating by just what we do and what we say and how we go about it, which is, again, people are looking. The kids are looking. Adults are looking. I mean, e even if you reward one kid in your house, if you have multiple kids, you reward one. And the other season goes, hey, oh, so this is how I must behave if I want to be rewarded. It's crazy. Like, it, it, but we don't think of that. We just we just kind of like, like, right? We just go about life. So anyway, back to you, Lens. So we're... Uh, I'm going to just kind of speed through things just because we're running out of time. Um, but I wanted to tell you, Dorian, really quick about this, this girl that I met for my sister's birthday party. It was also my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, sis. So I was talking to this Polynesian woman and she was telling me about <clears throat> how she grew up in West Valley, Utah, and how her whole world was like supposed to be, you know, parents work. And then when she gets of age to work, she will work. And then she'll basically take place of her parents. She wasn't allowed to play with friends. It was all first cousins. There was just like all these rules and how this family operated. And as she grew up and she dated and she got married and had her own children, there was this defining moment where her children were of the age to go play sports. And typically in the Polynesian culture, when there's family things you drop everything and show up for your family. You don't go to your friend's house. You don't go to these sports things. You go to support your family. And she chose to do things a little bit differently, meaning she allowed her children to go have sleepovers, to miss family functions for sports activities, or just to go hang out with friends. And there was this intense struggle within her. She got anxiety over it. Her husband's like, what's wrong with you? She's like, oh my gosh, like my parents are going to disown me because I'm doing things different and I don't know what to do. And he's like, it's okay. Like they'll love you. And if they choose not to love you because you are choosing something different, like I love you. And so it was really interesting to see the dynamic. She ended up moving from West Valley to American Fork. And she's like, Lindsay, I was so stuck thinking that this is all that there was in life. And just by picking up and moving and choosing a few different things than my than how I grew up, my whole world has broadened. And she's like, I'm not very far from my hometown, but just in separating myself from that belief system that was created that I grew up with, and that's all I saw, and I started to create something new for myself, and a whole new world opened up for me. It sort of takes me back, and you and I talked about it before, the movie 42, you're a sports fan or not, and you've never seen the movie 42, the Jackie Robinson story, you got to check it out. But there's a, and th think about in terms of time, we're in 2020. And this, this specific scene in the movie happened, was it June, about June 21st, 1947. You guys are like, man, how's Dorian remember that? Just so you know, <laughs> I'm reading it. I'm looking right at it. But Crosley Field in Cincinnati, it just, it's crazy. I wanted to share that because it's just that moment and you can find it on YouTube. It's that moment in time where you look at something and go, oh my gosh, this is, <clears throat> this is what they're talking about. This is crazy. This is why I say racism is taught. 
there, you know, people go, well, is it, is it any, anywhere, anything other than taught? No, it is absolutely taught. And, and it, you'll see it when you go pull it up on YouTube. But it's a scene where Jackie Robinson, who was the first African-American to play in the big leagues, he runs out of a dugout and uh, majority of white fans, um, actually all the white fans are booing him and they're, they're screaming, we don't want you here. And at one point they show a scene where there's a, uh, there's a the white man sitting with his, his son and uh, the son is happy to be at a ball game. I mean, he is ecstatic. He's got his glove. He's got this big smile on his face. He's excited. Uh, Pee Wee Reese, I think uh, was his favorite player. And the dad shouts out and he drops the end bomb and he says, we don't want you here. Get the hell out of Cincinnati. Go back to Brooklyn. And Jackie turns and, you know, he's like, ah, people yelling and he continues to move on. But, but what was scary is how the son was looking at the dad and the son is looking at the crowd and he's witnessing all this negativity and this, this you know, stuff, vulgar stuff being shouted at Jackie Robinson because he's just going, he's a baseball player. And he's listening to the N-word N being thrown out there from the white crowd and his father and he eventually turns and says and, and shouts it at the field to Jackie, uses the N-word and says, we don't want you here. And it's a, it's a perfect example of how you can change the behavior of especially and influence the thought process of young people. And you can even do it when you become older um, if, you are, if, you, if you push it enough to get people to think differently than the way they, they went into a situation. We see it with social media um, all the time. There's a, there's a show out there I've been recommending people called The Social Dilemma. If you if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. The social dilemma. It is. It talks about how evil social media is. But but that 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 YouTube video of forty two will, will will really take you back to, wow, that kid just staring at his dad, who he looks up to. He's staring at the crowd, and he's thinking, well, geez, if I want to be part of the in crowd, this is what we do. And he but I want to. I want to pause you because there's a part at the very end of that video that struck me to the core. When Petey put his arm around Jackie and said, I need the whole world to know who I am. And so he puts his arm around Jackie. And in that moment, that little boy sunk deep into his seat with shame. Like, yes. oh my gosh, my idol. Here I am looking up to my dad and this other guy that I'm looking up to actually likes this guy. The shame on his face. I feel like that right there depicted so much of what the world, even with social media, I get that way where it's like, oh, I think that it's supposed to be one way and then it ends up being another way. And I carry that shame and guilt with me. Yeah, that, 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 uh, I'm glad you brought that up. That, that, it just gave me goosebumps lens to, 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 to go back and think about seeing that, that episode or that, that, that clip, because at, at one, in one moment, his, his life has changed to, for, for a negative reason. And in the next moment, he's like embarrassed and ashamed that, Hey, this is, this is really not who I am. This is, this is really who I am. Like, I don't want to not like this guy. There's no reason to. So maybe we start thinking about how to be part of what's right. As we talked about even in our last podcast versus what's wrong. And one more quick story, Linz, I, I got to give a shout out to, uh, to my boy, JJ over at the Lord Puffer at the cigar lounge in, in Cali. This dude knows more about 
hip hop and rap music than anybody I've ever met. And uh, and if you were to see what he looks like, you would go, wow, like, you know, you think he's a you know brother from the ghetto or the hood or whatever. No, no, he's he's a white dude from I think I think JJ's from Pennsylvania. Um, and but 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 the, and, and, and he's he loves he loves uh, he loves the, the, the one, of the one of his favorite songs is Fight the Power. And it's a public enemy song. And he's having he said to me, we were having this discussion. He goes, Dorian, I'm having a discussion with my daughter about uh, Fight the Power. And I'm like, how'd that come up? He goes, because I'm wearing a T-shirt. I think he, he, either he was wearing a T-shirt or she put the T-shirt on. And the discussion was about, do you know what this means? And it led into a topic of conversation about people of color mattering. And he says, Dorian, it was crazy how <clears throat> you're talking about doing a podcast about learn and observe behavior. And here I am going, wow, the discussion about fight the power and equality and people of color mattering with my daughter over a t-shirt could have went one way or the other. But the way in which he wanted to project it was everybody, it's important to talk about this topic of conversation because it's she sees it in the media now. So just I I I, I had to bring this up because we talk about the power of influence. We talk about learning things. What if what if she doesn't bring the conversation up? What if she just ignores it? What if it it's a question that's asked about it from someone else who sees her with the t-shirt and she doesn't know what it means. She doesn't know how to answer the question or she goes in a different direction with it. It might not end up in, with the same result. And it just, he says, Dorian, I, I realized at that moment um, is I have the ability to, to positively always influence my children. And it's important to have those conversations. So again, all the things we're talking about today, I think that uh, the sort of a great wrap up story to uh, a few stories we've had today to talk about how we can, uh, positively or negatively influence our children and people around us. I love that. I love that. It kind of just like segues into our next little thing about just taking a risk of having those conversations, any conversation, whether it's political, whether it's controversial, um, having those conversations despite the repercussions. Even if you don't have the answers, even if it goes absolutely nowhere, have the conversations, just like you said previously in our other episode, educate, educate, educate. If we're not talking, if we're not communicating and sharing whatever's coming up for us, then it's never going to be changed. Nothing is ever going to shift. I think a lot of people, and we, we've done it, just maybe um, not consciously done it, but you know, we, we've judged other people. You mean in my first comment of what's wrong with people? <laughs> We do without 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 thinking about oh my gosh maybe what they're going through yeah. or the fact that like you said not taking a risk maybe they're maybe they don't want to take a risk and put themselves out there a little bit and do something a little bit different or change uh, maybe the course of action so I'm I'm sure we will continue to do it but maybe that we're a little bit more aware of it we won't do it as much so speaking about systemic racism educating our loved ones which has led to learned and observed behavior I want everyone to gear up for our next episode, which is actually going to be about collaboration. Well, I tell you what, what's going to be interesting about that topic when we get into it is thinking about ways in which you can be better by surrounding yourself with people that are not always necessarily like you. I mean, there's collaboration in education, there's collaboration in sports, there's a collabor there's collaboration in, um, in business. Heck, before we do these podcasts, we collaborate, talk to different people. 
it really is about how to bring out the best in everyone, right? Um, building your, your self-worth, your self-value, those around you. It's going to be a really, really powerful topic. Lindsay, I got a question for you. When you when you look back on the topic that we covered today, some things we've talked about, what's what's one or two things that really stick out at you? I know. There's just so much. So, the, so like a few things that I feel like really came about for me personally was just bringing awareness to our thoughts, feelings, and actions. Um, am I challenging these as they arise or am I mindlessly moving through life? Um, authentically living, like, am I breaking conformity without fear of rejection, being disowned and unloved? Am I actually like being the change through my choices versus this is how we do it because we've always done it this way. I feel like those are probably the most powerful ones that I took away. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, again, awareness. Um, if you're listening to this, I'd like you to walk away with thinking to myself, geez, am I more aware than I was before? Or, and, and it's about your actions, what you say, or, and, and does it change what you say and what you do? Or do you just go, you know what? It doesn't really matter to me. I'm doing everything the right way. And I don't necessarily, Linz, think there's a right way and a wrong way. I think aware it's just, and again, choices. going back to being aware. So it's aware and choices, right? Lindsay, I tell you what, that, that was a great topic we covered today. I, I probably didn't know how important this was until around 2002. Uh, I was on a job interview for a promotion. And one of, the, one of the final things that someone said to me in a job interview was, you're always being watched. And, and it's it stuck with me because it meant that whether I'm at work, I'm at home, I'm out in public, you're always gathering the attention of someone. Someone's always going to watch you for whatever reason, whether it's how you dress, whether it's how you walk, whether it's how you look, whether it's what you say. And uh, it became a, a lot more important to me as I, as I got older. So I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad these are things that we've learned earlier so that we can have a positive impact. If you really think about it, a tremendous amount of learning, Lindsay, happens through the process of watching and imitating other people. So the four questions I want to pose to wrap up today's call are the following. Knowing this, how much of your behavior is reflective of your environment? Number two, if you were more conscious of it, would you change it? Number three, how is your behavior influencing those around you? And last but not least, are you positively or negatively reacting to your environment? At the end of the day, we can all do better. If you think about those four questions we asked at the beginning, they're the same four questions we asked at the end. Before you get on the next podcast and listen, I hope you do everything you positively can to be better, to help the environment around you change. Our next podcast will be about the power of collaboration, as Lindsay mentioned. So until next time, be kind, be blessed, be better. And remember, life is a game of inches. Make the most of it. Until next time, peace.